I will be playing my college football at the University of Drops to the 50, now steps behind the 50, runs to the right side of the 45, Wisconsin to the 40, throws it long down the field toward the end zone, Devin Smith, touchdown! Devin Smith, he's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Welcome back in. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that it's just Josh's beautiful face for today's episode. I'm currently traveling on the road, currently in Phoenix, Arizona, was watching the Oregon-Arizona State game. We'll talk about that in a little bit, and then heading back home for Thanksgiving. So for this week's episode, at least, no no video from me, but you can all look at Josh's beautiful face. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving week. We got Thursday football. We got Friday football. It's going to be a... A great week. Uh, you've got yeah. some big plans as well. You're heading back to heading back to San Diego. You watched the was at the game this weekend. What have you been up to? Other than that, just a whole lot of working, a whole lot of watching football. We are in the home stretch now, the final stretch. Week twelve is upon us, and this has been the fastest season of my life. Like I swear, just last week was week four, and I'm wondering where the time has gone. Yeah, it's been insane. It really has been insane. Blink and you miss it. This season has absolutely flown by. I can't believe that in a couple of weeks' time we'll be doing our bowl shows. It just doesn't seem like it's... It doesn't feel like we've been doing the show long enough for it to be the end of the season already. No, not at all. And I guess scheduling for the next couple of weeks, we will do our Week 13 preview, The probably the biggest preview we're going to be doing with all these rivalries coming up and lots of playoff implications and conference championship implications um then we'll also do our conference championship previews the week after that then get into our bowl previews we'll probably split it up by you know bowl part one and then take a deeper look at the playoffs and you know how that'll all shake out because as of right now there's eight teams that all have a viable chance of making that final four yeah yeah it's shaping up to be a fantastic end and couldn't really see it going any other way with how much good football we've had this season. It really has been a fantastic season. We've been treated and it's coming down to the wire and there's a lot of teams in the mix and there's a lot of teams that, that honestly I want to see in that final four because there's some teams that I've loved watching this year and there's some teams that are on the cusp of it that, that I think are pushing it and yeah, we'll see what happens but it's, it's shaping up to be a, a fantastic end to what's been a, a great season. And a big theme of this entire season has been kind of a lack of upsets and it's been very chalk heavy and this week was no exception number five washington they were able to defeat number 11 oregon state in the pouring rain in corvallis they won 22 to 20 and this was the run with Dunze show after this week i don't know how you can't say he's definitive the best receiver in this conference and maybe even the best receiver in the entire country he won this game for oregon for excuse me for washington the connection that him and Michael Penix had, the two big touchdowns, the huge third down conversion where I think it was literally all three were back shoulder throws to him and he's just able to adjust and it's impossible to defend and the Huskies keep their undefeated season alive and what's going to be the last match against Oregon State in a very long time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you said it best. Roma Dunze is just ridiculous. Michael Penix threw the ball for 162 yards and, and you know, 106 of them went to Roma Dunze with both scores going his way as well. You mentioned the crucial third down catch. This was just a, a huge Ramadan. They show in a incredibly rain-soaked game. You mentioned the rain, but this wasn't just rain. This was 
torrential for for the whole thing and, and to have a receiving performance like that it's yeah it's superb work I mean there was there was five turnovers in this game it was three fumbles two picks the the rain was causing havoc and it just didn't matter to Roman Dunze it, just fantastic he's just completely firmly taken number two spot it's Marvin number one for me and then it's Rome two and that is going to be I don't think that changes now I don't know statistically Rome is leading Marvin in just about every category and I think he's more of a detriment to his team that, or excuse me a, a, an addition to his team like you take Rome out of this equation you know Washington probably has two losses they probably lose to Oregon they probably lose to Oregon State he dominated in both those games and had two big he had a lot of big touchdowns in all those games uh, but yeah Michael Penix with a very solid performance did what was asked of him kept the ball clean didn't turn it over uh, when you're in a pouring rainstorm like this you shouldn't be throwing the ball 30 times like Oregon State did uh, and that was really a detriment to them they decided to put the ball in DJU's hands to win the game when I think they should have just kept the ball on the ground with Damian Martinez all of their success this year is when they've been asking DJU to be a game manager they run the ball well they set the they set the passing game up with the ground game it's heavy rain it's the perfect conditions to play that sort of football and they made him throw the ball 31 times. Yeah, I didn't, didn't really understand this one. It was a, a strange game plan for Oregon State. And I, I, I do wonder if that was the game plan they came in with or if they deviated during the game. Yeah, not sure. Strange one for me for, for Oregon State. I think they deviated from it a little bit because they really couldn't get the run game going early. And we said in our preview show, Oregon State wins this game if DJU is a game manager and they're just running the ball he is not going to be able to outduel Michael Penix. And we just saw it. He was making poor decisions. One of those interceptions was very bad, and there was another dropped interception. The one right before the half, I really don't blame at all because that's just uh, you know trying to make something happen right before the end of the half. Uh, but he also got knocked out of that game early. I wasn't able to watch it live, but watching the replay, I wasn't able to see you know what exactly happened to him. You know, incubating Childs, and that's when they started running the ball again. It was like, oh, we got to just hand the ball off to Damian Martinez, and he did a very good job. Uh, they were also able to get the ball out quick to Silas Bolden, who's a very, very good receiver. The little short guy loved his game. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, too little, too late for the Beavs, and that knocks them out of the Pac-12 championship contention. And with this win by Washington, they have firmly locked up the number one spot in the Pac-12, winning the regular season title, and... They now will play either Oregon or possibly Arizona in the Pac-12 championship in two weeks. Then just a couple of last thoughts. You know, good job to Oregon State's defense. They kept Washington to one of the lowest scoring performances of the season with 22 points. Again, most of that was because of the rain. Uh, but also shout out UW's defense. They played extremely well. They were able to first force those turnovers. They were able to pressure DJU. Plugged up the run game at early on and did enough and this is probably Washington's defense best performance of the season and I think outside of the Oregon game this is their best performance of the season is they ran the ball very well Roma Dunze showed out as the star he is uh the defense played extremely well I it's rounding out to be a championship team jumping over now to Another big game from the weekend, number one UGA. They did exactly what we thought they were going to do, and they just bow constrictor Tennessee. They beat them 38-10. to Josh, Tennessee scored on their opening play of the game, and that accounted for 27 
percent of all their yards in the entire game <laughs> off one play in the first play of the game. Complete and utter domination by UJ. We've expected this from them, and the three peat is probably gonna happen. Now I know why they didn't want us to put that video on YouTube. UGA staff are watching our channel, and they now know how to stop Tennessee. <laughs> Carson Beck goes for nearly 300 yards, three scores in this just absolute beatdown of Tennessee. The Georgia defense did what the Georgia defense has done all season. The Georgia passing attack has done what it's done all season. The Georgia rushing attack's done what it's done all season. They went for 156 and a score. They had seven, eight different ball carries in this one. They had a whole host of different receivers. They had six, seven different receivers in this one. Yeah, they spread the ball out and Georgia Georgia them. Dylan Bell, he threw for a touchdown as well. The receiver on a little double pass. Like, <laughs> they just beat the absolute hell out of Tennessee. And we've seen it, what, three, four, five weeks in a row now where a team will get up early on Georgia in that first quarter and <laughs> Georgia just beats the living crap out of them. Uh, Tennessee was really not able to run the ball outside of that one big game or big game, excuse me. Couldn't throw the ball. Joe Milton, not not a good quarterback. I've been saying it all season long. Uh, they just looked lost. And I knew Georgia was going to win big, but I didn't expect it to be this big. This 10 points does not even reflect on how big of a blowout it was. It was not that close at all. No, no. And didn't don't know if I expected it to be thir- quite 38-10, but... I haven't trusted this Tennessee offense for the last couple of weeks now. They've they've been not that great at moving the ball. Seem to have hit a bit of a bit of a hump, and you don't want to be not informed going into this Georgia defense because they're seriously good. And yeah, they just completely frustrated Tennessee from from the start in this one. As you said, scored on their first drive, and and that was all they got for the rest of the game. And Tennessee in their last two games have scored a grand total of seventeen points and laying up over thirty. In both those, that's yeah. You know, hey, at least it's got more this week. Does maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't know why Tennessee was ranked there, not a top twenty-five team. No, because top twenty-five teams score more than seventeen, unless you're Iowa. And top twenty-five <laughs> teams don't let up thirty points. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely embarrassing. And fuck Josh Heupel. Um, yeah, just Georgia's the best. <laughs> They're the best team, and they're so consistent. It's incredible. The level of consistency we've seen over them in the last two, three, four years is absolutely unreal. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. They've been just as dominant in in every single season that I've seen, and they lose so many guys. Their turnover to the draft every year is crazy. So many guys, are, uh, they're, they're churning them out into the league like a factory, and... They come back every year stronger with every position filled with a guy who was better than the guy that was in it the year before. It's just, yeah, it's it's special what they've built down there. And, you know, we dog on Georgia, no pun intended there, for having like a weaker schedule than most this past year. The last three games have been against ranked opponents. They beat Missouri, and Missouri played very well in that game. They were in the final drive, but they won 31-21 there. Play against Ole Miss, won 52-17. Ole Miss was a top 10 team at the time. And then top 20 Tennessee, 38-10. Like, they handled business very, very easy. And, yeah, it's definitive number one team. I am not seeing any other team in the country right now that could keep up with this. No, no. I think they're comfortably my number one team. And I'd have no issue picking them for the 
picking them for the whole thing right now. Yeah, and we can get into you know playoff rankings in our preview show later on this week. But kind of a surprising result, the one I didn't see coming this week, was number 22, Utah. They traveled to Arizona this past week, and they got turned into fish food. Arizona won 42-28. to 28. Josh, 42 points on this Utah defense. Man, I like this Arizona offense, but I did not see them putting 42 points on this Utah team. I really did not. McMillan's been a baller for pretty much every single week of the season at this point as well. He's such a good receiver. I really like his game. Noah Fafita has been spreading the ball around really nicely. He did it again in this game. 22 for 30. 253 yards and two scores with no turnovers. Jonah Coleman ran the ball well, 90 yards and a score. We've said it every week. Some A team has a very, very professional performance where they come out, they get up on a, they get up on a team early, and they just never let a team in the game. And that's exactly what happened here. Arizona came out, they got up early. Utah never had a chance in this one. Arizona put their foot on their throat early, and they squeezed until the very end of the game. Utah were never in this one, and as you said, they're just the next team to get turned into fish food. And checking my notes here, 42 is the most allowed by this Utah defense this year. And I think in the last couple of years, I do not remember a team putting up 40 on Utah in quite a while. Uh, I don't think there's enough praise in the world for what Jed Fish has done to this program. He has turned them around so fast. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Arizona is a Game and, well, two games away from making the Pac-12 championship game. If Oregon loses to Oregon State and Arizona is to beat Arizona State, they get to rematch Washington in the Pac-12 championship. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that Arizona, in the final week of the season, is in conference championship contention? And you look back at that USC loss, man, if they won that one. Shit. And they should have. They beat. They should have. Yeah, and they should have had the go, other go win as two. well. What was the other game that they should have won as well? Like the two weeks well, after. Washington? Yes, yeah, so they, yeah. yeah. The they, could have, they could have easily beaten Washington. They looked as a one-score game. And, yeah, who knew Noah Fafita was the answer for this team? Like he, This is a completely different team. I am here for it. It's such an awesome story. And they've just been mashing good teams just away, putting up points. And the Arizona defense, I know we were kind of soft on them earlier. Uh, they've come to play. And, oh, granted, it's Utah. They're not... They're on their backup quarterback. They're on their backup tight ends. They have a safety playing running back, sure. But still, surrendering 18. It's impressive. And even the special teams got done. They blocked a punt, I think, for their second touchdown this game. Scoop and score. We talked about you need two, you need to win two phases of the game to be a good team. Arizona's winning all three phases of the game. This is a great team. And And this Utah team, even though they are down to their backups, they haven't struggled for points that badly you know they put up 34 against Cal they put up 34 against USC they put up 28 against Washington I know they've struggled a little bit in some games and with, with a bit of consistency this season but the defense played well to hold them to 18 and, and the offense just absolutely scored them putting up 42 I love the Arizona team it's been one of my favorite teams to watch this year and I kind of want to see them in that game <laughs> I really want to Shut see up. them in the big one stop that, <laughs> stop that. It just makes that Mississippi State loss so much more puzzling. It, it, again, it was because Jane Delora played and they turned the ball over like five times and they still almost won that game. And shit, if no Fita starts the entire year, this might be a one-loss Arizona team. 
not close to not that far from an undefeated Arizona team. <laughs> yeah, all their losses are by one score. If they beat USC, I think Arizona would be considered a top ten team. Oh, almost a hundred percent. Almost a hundred percent. What a story! I I don't see how Jed Fish cannot be a coach of the year. Well, there's there's actually a lot of good coach of the year candidates this year, but Jed Fish absolutely has to be in that contention. Yeah, he'd get my vote. Jumping over now to the Big 12. In the Sunflower State, Kansas State, they make it 15 in a row now. They defeated number 25, Kansas, 31-27. And no Jason Bean, no Daniels. They were on their backup today with Cole Ballard, or on Saturday with Cole Ballard. And Kansas just had the game plan of run the ball. And Kansas did that really well. However... It just wasn't enough, and Kansas State was able to come back late, and they won the game. And shout out Will Howard. He had a great game in this one. Uh, he, he looked after the ball really well, threw two touchdown passes, ran for the go-ahead score, and, and turned over an 11-point deficit going into going into half. They were down by 11 and, and came out and played a great second half of football. Defense came out and, and showed a bit more a bit more against the run. Devin Neal had a, a good day. They gave him the ball 18 times. You said went for three touchdowns. They've ran the ball really well all year, Kansas, whenever they haven't had uh, uh, been in and whenever they haven't had, or whenever they didn't have um, Daniels in at the start of the season. They ran the ball really, really efficiently. and Yeah, they just, just couldn't couldn't quite get it done in this one. And, and I do think the Kansas State defense played pretty well. I think they made some really good adjustments at halftime to kind of stop that run game because they, they were getting torched by the run game. And... Will Howard played a good one. I mean, shout out Kansas State. I did say this would be a really tough one for Kansas with uh, with Cole Ballard playing and he turned the ball over a couple of times and only threw it for 162. But yeah, this is, a, this is a good win for Kansas State still. Yeah, it's a great win for Kansas State. And again, this is the defending Big 12 champion. Kansas State is just consistently good. And they dropped a couple of games this year, which is kind of keeping them out of the Big 12 championship. It's not... They're not officially eliminated yet. A lot of wacky shit has to happen this coming week. Um, and we can get into that later in our preview show. But yeah, another team that like all their losses by one score. And if you just flip the script on that, that Texas game, they probably should have won. That Oklahoma State game, probably should have won. They're in the driver's seat. And they would probably be considered a top 10 team. Unfortunately, that's just not how it goes. Um, yeah, great job for Kansas State. Um I think Chris Kleiman is probably going to be leaving soon because there are other schools with deeper pockets that might be making a call, which is unfortunate because Kansas State is used to having coaches stick around like Snyder, who stuck around and just built up a consistently strong program. A&M? Yes. I'm saying, maybe not A&M exactly, but Michigan State is going to be calling. Potentially some other schools are going to be calling for names. Yeah. Jumping over now to the Big Ten, and number three Michigan's able to survive late, 31-24 against Maryland. Michigan does this every year. They did it last year against Illinois, leading up to the game against Ohio State. Am I concerned with Michigan's offense? A little bit, because J.J. McCarthy's not good. Uh, but the running game's still there. The defense is still there. I think Michigan's fine. Oh, yeah, I think Michigan's fine. And with this win, they get their thousandth victory, which I thought was quite a cool stat. Get their, okay, their thousandth no, win. 
no, no, no. Rewind that one because <laughs> that's thousand victories across all their. They were beating up like little sisters of the poor in the 1900s. Pre, they were playing high schools. Pre, like, basically pre, what they do now, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, give some respect to Rutgers. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Rutgers. Um, no, I that that one thousand win. That's such a dumb stat. I it's more bullshit propaganda by Michigan. It's the most propaganda team in the world. Yeah, they have to deflect when the head coach is suspended for half the season. This was uh, Shromore <laughs> stepping in again for Harbaugh. Harbaugh's missed five games this year, by the way. Yeah. Five of, how many have they played now? 10, 11? <laughs> 11 games? 11. And he's missed five of them. And he's going to miss the next one as well, which is, yeah, funny one. But yeah, this this you said survived. This kind of was survived as well, because Michigan kind of got this one done a little bit later than I think they would have hoped. And I did not see Maryland kind of having any chance in this one did not see this one being as close as it was the Michigan offense just didn't quite get it rolling especially in the past game that run game is really good though and, and that's going to be crucial in in their next game because it's Ohio State week and we'll get to that in the previews but yeah this is a little bit of a I don't really know what we're going to get going into this next game I'd, I would have liked to see them have a bit more of a dominant performance especially if I was part of this Michigan team if I was a player or a coach on this team I'd have quite liked to see a bit more of a comfortable performance a bit more of a handed win but uh yeah we'll see we'll see yeah and you mentioned that you didn't see maryland have a chance they had plenty of chances in this game they were down five going into the fourth quarter and they had three possessions and those possessions went as following punt interception safety you're down a score and you could see the two points <laughs> in that stretch your defense was able to get the ball to you they forced three and outs, they forced turnovers, and they just couldn't do anything with the ball. And that's just, I guess, the story of Maryland this year is they couldn't do anything with the ball. <laughs> They've won one out of their last five, six. That's, that's tough. After starting 5-0 and and then going 1-5, and at least you're going to be able to go bowling, Maryland. At least you got that. <laughs> and they play Rutgers next week, so they might they might finish with a win. I don't know. Rutgers might win that one. I have no trust in the Turtles. <laughs> no, no, and rightly so. And speaking of someone that I have absolutely zero trust in, and that is Mario Cristobal and game management, because Josh, stop me if you heard this one before. Mario Cristobal's poor clock and game management lost Miami the game. Stop me if you heard it before. Explain. So Louisville was able to win this one 31-24, or excuse me, 38-31 against Miami. Uh, late in the fourth, Miami has the ball. They are able to go down and score. They're, they have timeouts. They don't use them. And the forces Miami into a late situation where they just have to heave up a Hail Mary that was completed, just comes up short. But they let so much time run off the clock. They had timeouts. It's just inexplicable play calling by Mario Cristobal in late game situations. It, sorry, Miami fans, you're stuck with him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've started to avoid watching Miami games live now. Just like I, I can't, I can't put myself through that. <laughs> but yeah, shout out Louisville. Louisville secure a spot in the ACC title game by defeating Miami 38-31 in this one. I think it's their first ACC title game berth, which is a cool yes. stat for Louisville. Shout out Louisville in this one. And yeah, as you said, a late comeback for Louisville in this one. A 58-yard touchdown pass from Jack Plummer to Kevin Coleman with 4 minutes 17 
left on the clock wins this one for Louisville. And I, I was reading up about this game, didn't hadn't heard of this one before, but this is for possession of the Schnellenberger Trophy, which is a set of they gold, yes. gold cowboy yes. boots or bronze cowboy boots. Uh, Howard Schellenberg was the former coach at Miami as well as Louisville. So they play for his cowboy boots in his honor. He's actually, Schellenberg was kind of the one that kickstarted Miami's program back in like the, the early 80s. Yeah, it's a cool one. That's a really cool yeah. one. Another cool uh, one for this game as well. Both quarterbacks were were airing the ball out. Both quarterbacks went for over 300 yards. Jack Plummer went for 24 of 37 for 308 and three touchdowns. And Tyler Van Dyke, who's not been a, a favor of the show this year, but he went for 24 of 39 and uh, 327 yards on a score with no turnovers. So it's a rare... That's the biggest surprise. Rare go-off stat line for, uh, for, for Tyler Van Dyke. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I call that going off. I think I call that managing the game. Yeah, 327 is a decent day, especially when we've seen a lot of like 146 yards this week. Yeah, that fair. Miami ran the ball very well, though. Uh, it's just they had to rely on Tyler to kind of win it the game. That's that's tough. <laughs> and Chris Doble um, to, to manage it. Yeah, <laughs> and Chris Ball to manage it. I, I think I said in the preview show, like it would be the most Chris Ball thing ever if they won this game, just like ruin, ruin Louisville's season, and then to go right back to being poorly managed poorly run nope mario just mario marioed and he's got one more week to mario again yeah they had four chances inside the three yard line josh and they couldn't get a single yard it's poor clock management poor game calling decisions like it's inexplicable he's a great recruiter he's a great o-line coach he's a terrible in-game coach (laughs) staying in the acc now Number 20, North Carolina, falls to number 31, Clemson. And Josh, you were right. You called it. I told you about that defense, man. That, that Clemson defense has suddenly started to show up. They look really good again in this one. They look good in this one. And after some, some early season struggles with a 4-4 four and four record, they're now sitting at 7-4, and four, which is decent. It uh, wasn't the, the defense's fault, though. It was the offense. Clemson's defense has been good. It's the offense that struggled. It is the offense that struggled, but but the reason that I picked them last week was because I just thought how good the defense had been playing the last couple of weeks, especially. But as you said, you know the offense actually played a decent game in this one as well. I thought Clubnick played a decent game, threw for two hundred and nineteen yards and a touchdown, ran for forty four yards and a one yard uh, score just before halftime as well. Thought he had a a pretty key contribution to this game, but the defense just really won this one. You know they they forced two turnovers on Omari Hampton, who's not really turned the ball over at all this year. Um, they had a, a an interception against Drake May, held him to 209 yards and a score. So it's just a, a really, really solid showing from the Clemson defense, and the offense did enough to, to win this one, 31-20. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch too much of this game live, only able to catch kind of the replay. Uh, yeah, the offense just played smart. They didn't turn the ball over. Good to have Will Shipley back. He had a huge game. He's fully healthy now. Uh, Kay Klubnik. Game manage, and I think that's you know kind of what you want to see out of him at this point is, can he be a game manager? He's got a full season of starting experience under him. Maybe next year Clemson, he can be the guy that you thought he was, but ever since everyone doubted Dabo, myself included, they've ripped three wins off in a row, two over ranked teams, one over a very you know tough Duke team, and or excuse me, um, Notre Dame team, and they they've looked good doing it. So, Davo, you you may be <laughs> a crazy person, but you know how to coach a football team. 
Yeah, and and you know, I didn't really have any faith in them when, especially when they were four and four. I didn't really like much about this team at all. And then, well, I didn't just, either. Uh, uh, no, I don't think anyone really did, and and was quite enjoying the downfall of uh, of Clemson. But this defense has been fun to watch still, and and they've really started to show out these last couple of weeks. And as you said, if they can just have Klubnik manage games the same way that that like DJU is used, run the ball well, and just use him to manage games. You've got a great running back. He doesn't need to do anything else. And yeah, I think they can win a lot of games if they have him as a game manager, especially with this defense. Yeah, and you rewind back to that North Carolina State game when they were sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They were looking at their schedule like, oh, they have Notre Dame, they have North Carolina. Like They might get 6-6. Six and six. They might be lucky to get a bowl game. And here we are. And they might finish, you know, in the upper half of the ACC. The ACC's decently good this year, decently average, especially in that top half. Um yeah, good good for Clemson. It's a good solid win against a ranked team that has a NFL caliber quarterback and had pretty high aspirations for the season. Uh, if you're, you know, North Carolina, it's a it's a tough way, you know, to kind of finish out the year. They started off so strong, and then you know, losing to Virginia, losing Georgia Tech, now losing to Clemson, and they got North Carolina State coming up next week. That's no easy game. Like everyone was hoping for a playoff run this year. Now. At best, you're nine three. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, not the season they're expecting, but it's been a good bounce back. And certainly another team that had a season they weren't expecting was Florida. They lost a heartbreaker to number nine Missouri, who Missouri had to come back in this one. And shout out those Tigers because they are such a fun, fun team. They won this one on another walk off field goal, thirty three to thirty one. This game was so much fun. I don't know if you managed to catch this one live. I did I did catch this one live. Man, this was such a fun game. And shout out Brady Cook. He had a great game. 20 of 34, 331 yards and a score. And shout out Luther Burden. We've shouted him out before in the pod as well. We really like his game. Nine receptions for 158 yards. And finally, shout out Cody Schrader as well. 23 carries for 148 yards and a score. There's just playmakers on this Missouri team. There's just playmakers all over the place. And they made plays in this one. Came back. 30-yard field goal to, to win this one in the final seconds. Yeah, shout-out shout out Mizzou, man. This has been a fun team to watch this year. And the biggest play of the game for those Tigers was Brady Cook finding Luther Burden on that 4th and 17. It was like, I think it was like less than 30 seconds left. Florida just gets a stop. They win that game. They have a huge upset. And, like, that's gets them bowl eligible. It saves the season, kind of. And <laughs> Luther Burden just gets open. And they drill, I think it was like, what, a... 50, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a 50 yarder. It was like, what, 42? Good, good distance. Um, second one that this thicker kicker has made this year when they beat Kansas State as well. Uh, yeah, good, good for the Tigers. Shout again, do shout out Cody Schrader. He leads the SEC in rushing yards. Kind of the least talk about SEC player I've heard about in a while. Like, any running back that leads the SEC in rushing yards, I feel like he kind of gets a lot of hype, a lot, a lot of you know, noise around him. I was really talking about Cody Schrader. Yeah, yeah, I 100% think we should. Slightly concerned about this Mizzou uh, run defense, so they let up quite a lot of yards to this Florida Russian attack. And I think uh, Eli Drinkwitz actually said after the game, we need to we need to really improve that run defense because they're going to get torched by by any better run games. Got a feel for Graham Mertz in this one as well. We left the game early with a with a collarbone fracture in the third quarter. Uh, Max Brown came in and, and and looked okay, looked okay, but. Too small of a sample to to really say too much on his game, but yeah, shout out shout out Missouri. Looking forward to uh, to watching them next week and uh, and in their bowl game. And I'm not too worried about Missouri's 
run defense. They have Arkansas coming up next. Arkansas is <laughs> without their starting running back, Fair enough, uh, yeah. who went down <laughs> with ligament injury. And Florida's a good rushing team. Like Trevor Etienne, good rushing, good good running back. Like that's kind of their identity. I've been saying it all year. You're not going to win games with Graham Mertz, and you know, unfortunately, he does get injured and leaves this game. So they weren't able to win it with him. Uh, yeah, I think Tiger Eli Drinkwitz should be considered for you know SEC Coach of the Year. Maybe throw his name in the Coach of the Year conversation because another great job of turning around a program. Josh, I'm going to take you through now just about the rest of the games from the conference. I'm just going to rattle off the games and just feel free to chime in on any notes there. Uh, speaking of losing a quarterback for the season, a very unfortunate injury for Jordan Travis in Florida State. He broke his leg, and I don't know if you saw the injury. It's gruesome. Uh, that thing's snapped at a 90-degree angle. Florida State is able to win this one 58-13, but losing your star quarterback at this point in the season when you have playoff aspirations and championship aspirations is just gut-wrenching. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal for Florida State. was enjoying watching them a lot, and there's a lot of playmakers on that team, and I thought they could have been a real contender in that Final Four, so... Yeah, tough to see. Yeah. And it's also tough for Jordan Travis and his career on senior day that way. A guy that's been in the program for you know, five, six years. Willie Taggart did not want him on the team. They were going to use either a change positions or transfer again. Uh, so it's just very unfortunate for him and, you know, hope that he has a speedy recovery and his draft stock doesn't take too big of a hit. I don't really know what his <laughs> current draft position was, but certainly cannot be know much better uh going around the rest of the acc notre dame wins the sam hartman bowl 45 7 sam hartman closes out his senior day at notre dame with a big victory over his former team virginia upsets duke 30 27 shout out those hokies or shout out those who's man they just find ways to finally win a close game they always lose these one score games north carolina state they won 35 28 over virginia tech hokies uh north carolina state is they're a good team. They're they're a tough out, and watch out next week, UNC. And then finally, Georgia Tech, they beat Syracuse 31-22. Georgia Tech is bowl eligible, and Syracuse has fired their head coach, Dino Babers. About time as well. They've been rubbish. Yeah, he, <laughs> They've been absolutely it, rubbish. It's tough for Syracuse because he did have one good year in 2019, got him up to as high as, I think, like number 15 in the country. Uh, but... Other than that, I think he has maybe one marquee win in his career, and that's when they beat a Trevor Lawrence uh, Clemson team on a Thursday night. Um, but it's tough for Syracuse because they started the year 5-0. and Or, sorry, excuse me, they started 4-0. They've won one out of their last seven. Like, jeez, dude, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that is tough. Quick notes on these ones. Shout out Sam Hartman. He remembered how to play football in this one. 21 of 29, 277 and sure four did. scores. It's the first time we've seen him do that for uh, for a few weeks. Uh, Audrey Kestame as well looked like he was back. 115 yards and a score. And, uh, Duke have conceded 98 points in their last three games. Uncharacteristic from a very well-coached defensive team. However, I understand why. It's just because the defense is constantly out on the field. This offense isn't able to produce points like they were with Riley Leonard. Yeah, yeah. It does help when the uh, when the offense is on the field more and controlling the clock. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough for Duke. And they and hopefully shouldn't, but might struggle against Pitt this weekend. Uh, they should be fine. But potentially Mike Elko might have a foot out the door. Who knows? There's a... Uh, 
a former school they coached at that might be giving him a call. I do want to shout out, though, Anthony Calandra. He's just the most fun quarterback in the ACC and maybe the country. He just plays with a reckless abandonment, and it worked out for him this year. He's a true freshman. Kid's a baller. He's long hair, don't care, throw it kind of guy, and I love that in college football. Jumping now to the Big Ten, Ohio State will handle business very easily against Minnesota. They won 37-3. to Shocking note on this one, Marvin Harrison held to only like 30 yards and didn't really have that big of a performance. I kind of wanted him to have another 100-plus yard performance, maybe a couple more scores to maybe cement his Heisman candidacy. Number 12, Penn State, they were able to beat Rutgers 27-6. Drew Aller got knocked out of this game, did not return, but looks like the offense was just fine. They able to beat Rutgers, have a nice bounce-back win after losing pretty bad to Michigan last week. Michigan State gets a good win. They beat Indiana 24-21 in what's probably the end of the Tom Allen era there in Bloomington. Northwestern gets bowl eligible. They beat Purdue 23-15, and that's a great story for Northwestern. After all this horrible hazing scandal under the previous coaching administration, sounds like they've kind of righted the ship and got bowl eligible for the first time in a while. And then also Wisconsin, they got bowl eligible. They beat Nebraska 24-17, and Nebraska has now lost three straight, all one-score games. They're fighting for that sixth, sixth win so they can get bowl eligible as well. I know you mentioned uh, Marvin Harrison had a had a quiet game. The whole Ohio State passing attack had a bit of a quiet game in this one. They weren't really fully in rhythm. And it's interesting because we just said that Michigan kind of had the same issue. So we're going to see them going into this game, uh, kind of both not having the greatest pregame. Carmichael was 20 for 30 for 212 yards, but it just didn't matter. He took, a, he took a big hit that game. He did take a big hit that game, and, and it just didn't really matter because Travion Henderson went for 146 yards and two scores. They just ran the ball really, really well and, and won this one. And Penn State did the same thing. You know, when Drew Aller got knocked out, Bo Prabula only threw the ball one time. Other than that, it was just full run game. Catron Allen with 16 carries, Nick Singleton with 11 carries. No one really went off that much. It was 71 yards, 69 yards, 61 yards, but... Again, enough to win to win their game. I thought it would have been a bit bigger scoreline. I thought Ohio State would have beat Minnesota by more than 37-3, and I thought Penn State would have been they a covered. bigger scoreline. They did cover, but I thought they would have beat them all, and I thought Penn State would have won by more. But yeah, Both, Penn State offense yeah. can't score, though. <laughs> no, it's so. very true. They can't score with Aller, so take Aller out of the situation, and it's even worse. Jumping now to the Big 12... Texas is able to handle Iowa State 26-16. This Texas defense is playoff good. They are able to create turnovers. They're able to force pressure. The secondary is fast. Front seven hits hard. Very impressive. And Quinn Ewers doesn't look too bad. I think that injury has healed a little bit more. Oklahoma is able to beat BYU 31-24. Dylan Gabriel got knocked out of this game. And Jackson Arnold came in, burning the red shirt, gets business done, gets business handled, excuse me, for the Sooners. Oklahoma State comes back and wins a shootout against Houston. They won 43-30. Ollie Gordon back on his 100-yard game stuff. Shout out Ollie Gordon. West Virginia with another offensive explosion. They beat Cincy 42-21. TCU wins the revivalry 42-17. 
and Texas Tech is able to outlast UCF 24-23. to Yeah, I, I really like this Texas defense now. I think they're starting to really knuckle down. They're playing some good football, and the offense is playing some complimentary stuff for the other side of the ball. I think, as you said, Quinn Ewers looks pretty good at the moment. Yeah, excited for what this Texas team might be might be about to become. They play Texas Tech this week. It could be a fun game. Shout out Dylan Gabriel as well. He had a decent game, not to the point of getting knocked out in this one. Had 191 yards and two scores with, with no turnovers. And yeah, big shout out to Ollie Gordon. They mentioned him already, but he's back on his uh, 164 yards, three touchdowns uh, uh, bullshit. And Alan Bowman had an all right game in this one as well. 29 for 43, 348 yards and two scores. Did have the one interception, but this Oklahoma State team scores points. Another 43-point game here, going 43-30 against Houston. And show Houston, they played a good game as well. They haven't been that good this year, and I didn't expect them to put up 30 against Oklahoma State. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, there is potential for a lot of weirdness to happen in the Big 12 in this final week. Uh, the tiebreakers, there's like 40 of them. Like, if a couple of balls bounce away, we might have a scenario where Texas and Oklahoma might not get into the Big 12 championship. There's like like Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Uh, I think Iowa State's knocked out of it now. Kansas is knocked out of it now. Um. I think there's another scenario like it, it a lot of weirdness could happen um i do want to note josh the by did you watch much of the byu game no the didn't game? see too much of the byu game last so byu has a quarterback jake retzloff and he's jewish and on his twitter profile he it says hashtag byju <laughs> i think that's the funniest thing in the world that's how a jewish player ended up at byu i have no idea probably one of maybe five on, on the entire campus uh it's weird it's fun it's what makes college football so great yeah i did see that doing the rounds on social media he's their first ever jewish starting quarterback which was cool i'm willing to bet he's their first ever jewish player yeah probably is <laughs> it's not, mormon town probably <laughs> not the <laughs> jewish hotbed that you'd think it is um any other notes on the big 12 josh not really. It's going to be really, really spicy to see how this shapes up because there's a lot of a lot of potential changing in this last week. Oh, I did see today Tyler Shuck announced that he's transferring from Texas Tech. It will probably be his seventh year of eligibility. I think he got recruited in 2018. <laughs> yeah. yeah. COVID made some weird stuff happen. <laughs> Bouncing out of the Pac-12. Starting on Friday night, Washington State absolutely obliterated Colorado. 56-14. Oregon absolutely obliterated Arizona State 49-13. <laughs> UCLA damn near obliterated USC 38-20. And Cal has a good win 27-15 against Stanford in what was their final rivalry matchup in the Pac-12. I texted you at some point during this game. I know you was out of the game, so I wasn't expecting a response. But I texted you at some point during this Oregon game. And I think it was before the half. And it was Bo Nix has four passing touchdowns. Like before, this was like there was like eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Still, yeah, real yeah. professional performance from Oregon. They've had a few of those this year. They very handedly take down Arizona State, forty nine thirteen. Don't know how much of the UCLA game you saw. USC completely abandoned the run. They ran the ball mm -hmm. like like fifteen twenty times. Threw the ball forty two times. Yeah, they're just. They're just trying to absolutely ride Caleb Williams for, for anything that he's got left. This USC team has just... I mean, it kind of just looks like they've given up to me 
at this point. They just don't look like they're really playing for anything. And shout out UCLA, they got it done. Ethan Garber's 18 of 30, 155 and three scores. TJ Harden, 22 carries, 142 yards and a score as well. Decent game by uh, by UCLA. And I do want to touch on uh, Bo Nix and Oregon. There was a point in the game where Bo Nix had more touchdowns than Arizona State had rushing yards. Um, he was pulled after the first series in the third quarter. Uh, he was going. F- he scored six touchdowns in the first half. It was forty-two nothing. Yeah, he and he was pulled. And he still had four hundred and four yards. Yeah, and Oregon was trying to stat pad like a school. I'm going to mention soon after this. Um, and they wiped away what would be his seventh touchdown. Would have been the school record, a personal best record for Bo Nix on a very dumb offensive pass interference call in the end zone. Wiped away the uh, seventh touchdown. Yeah, I said it before the show, Oregon's first ever win against the state of Arizona in the month of November. A famous snakebite city or snakebite state for Oregon and championship teams. This was Caleb Williams' final game as a Trojan. I don't expect him to play in a bowl game because they're probably going to, like, the Sun Bowl. They only won seven games. Uh, USC, is just they absolutely gave up. I think Lincoln Riley gave up. Caleb Williams, like he gave up. They gave up the rushing game. It's sad to see because he was a fun college quarterback, but I think it's kind of how he expected his career to go out. Not with a bane, but with a whimper. And also, shout out you know Chip Kelly. He might have saved his job with this one, getting this big of a win. They're going to finish with seven wins, or can finish with eight wins in regular season, maybe not at the bowl game. Because there was a lot of rumblings that he was going to get fired um, the recruiting's a big issue. However, maybe this saves his job for a minute. I don't know. And also, I've seen people make rumblings that Lincoln Riley should be on the hot seat. Stop that. No, he should not. It's <laughs> one bad year. He should not be on the hot seat after one bad year. Yes, I understand you had championship aspirations, but you shouldn't be fired after one season. That's just stupid. No. Oh, and I don't know if you saw on Friday night, uh, Shador Sanders got knocked out of the game, but it was already like, 42 nothing. by that point he got hurt bad or is he back uh he's probably not gonna play next week against utah okay they might have a chance then yeah i uh carl was eliminated from bowl contention uh this team that started 3-0 and was all over the media you would have assumed that this was the god's gift to earth but they have lost seven of their last eight all the attention that Colorado got earlier this season, give that to Arizona, please. Now jumping over to the SEC. And the funniest, funniest, funniest result <laughs> of this past Saturday. New Mexico State 31, Auburn 10. Auburn paid New Mexico State $1.8 million to lose this game. That's incredible. Good for you, New Mexico State. That's the best win an Aggie school got in the SEC this entire year. Prove me wrong. Um, Alabama, they beat up on Little Sisters of the Poor. Actually, no. Let me let me rewind here, Josh. I'm going to rant right now because the SEC always plays these damn cupcakes in the second to last week of the season before they play the big rivalry games. Play nine conference games. Don't don't play Chattanooga. Don't play New Mexico State. Don't play UNL Monroe. Don't play, don't play Southern Mississippi. Like, play real games. Don't play Georgia. Like, play a real conference opponent. I didn't, like, you know, okay, Alabama... Blew him out. LSU blew him out. Congrats, Shane Daniels. You stat padded against Georgia State. 
you, you it's awesome that you put up 500 yards but against Georgia State and it's week 12 of college football. It's, it's just so stupid to me. It's essentially a preseason game. It makes absolutely yes. no sense to me at this point in the season to be playing such an easy game. Yeah, that's one and of the strange things of college football. It's a lose-lose because if you're like Auburn and you lose, you get humiliated. You're paying damn near $2 million to lose a game. But if you win, like, oh, cool. I just scored all these points on the team. Like, the, this shouldn't count. No. It's stupid. Like, at least Kentucky-South Carolina played a real game. Yeah. Yeah, I would wait. I would also just wait rather watch a more competitive game. Like, it's yeah. just spectator-wise and just... Also, as a team, winning a more competitive game going into the last game of the season gets me more ready for that rivalry than beating yeah. a bad team. Yeah, play play nine conference games like every other conference, SEC. Like, everyone's like, ooh, it's because it's the best conference. No, you're not. Like, n- no, you're not. No, not you're, this year. Mississippi State, you're playing Southern Miss. Like, that, that's not anything special. No. Like, Georgia played Tennessee. Good for them. Like, that's how scheduling should be done. Georgia's still only playing eight conference games, but, you know, at least they're scheduling their cupcakes earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's 100%. Stupid. And as you said, Auburn have paid $2 million to lose this one. And not just lose this one, but essentially get blown out as well, which is just just absolutely fantastic. You can only beat what's in front of you, though, and, and, and Alabama played a good game. Jalen Milrow, 13 of 16, 197 yards and three scores. Jaden Daniels, though, 413 yards and six touchdowns through the air, 96 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Eight touchdowns right. in this one. <laughs> and I know, I know it's against Georgia State. You played the entire game against Georgia State. Like, cool. <laughs> but it's eight you scores in a game. Four. Is this Madden? <laughs> yeah, you're playing on freshman mode. On, and, like, you're playing on easy mode. It's Georgia State. And why are you playing in the entire game? I get that you want to win him a Heisman, but what if he gets hurt? Yeah. You know? What? We saw a lot of quarterbacks get hurt this last week. If you're Brian Kelly, how do you answer that to the media? If Jane Daniels got hurt in the third quarter in a meaningless game, and then you got to go play Texas A&M next week. And he was like, well, we don't have our star quarterback because I won the stat pad against Georgia State. Well, it's the Tua situation when he broke his hip, right? It's the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, Tua broke his hip against uh, Mississippi State. Like, at least at least it was in a real game. It wasn't in a meaningless game. But it was in a point where he should have been pulled, right? They was up by yes, multiple Yes, scores. he should have been pulled, absolutely. God, I, that was just my little soapbox. Um, I don't even want to talk about the rest of the SEC because, yeah, cool. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, y'all won a lot to a little. Like, y'all blew them out. Uh, shout out South Carolina, though. They beat Kentucky 17-14. to um, That's probably one of the better games South Carolina's played this entire year. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Other than that, the SEC's a, it's a dud week for the SEC. Yeah. Like, you know, Georgia, you get your praise. You <laughs> did the damn thing. Uh, South Carolina, you get the praise. You did the damn thing. Everybody else, like, play play a real opponent. Come on. Don't be lame. One last thing. One last note on Auburn. Um, do you know who beat Hugh Freeze last year, Josh? Kind of the end of the season when he looks like he had one foot out the door when he had a, I think, a 10-win, 11-win Liberty team. That's right, New Mexico State. <laughs> New Mexico State has now beat Liberty back, or New Mexico State has now beat Hugh Freeze in back-to-back years. Suck on that, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Jumping now to the best of the rest from this college football Saturday. 
it was the host of Game Day, and I don't know if you watched Game Day, Josh, because why would you? Um, but it was at James Madison this past week, and there were more fans at Game Day, 26,000, than could fit in the stadium of 25,000. That's awesome. It was a raucous crowd, but App State played spoiler, and they won this one 26-23 in overtime. I watched this game live, and great news for UK college football fans. They finally sorted the rights out for college football over here. So I got college game finally. day. I got college game day for the first time here, and I watched all of college game day, and man, them JMU fans were hot about not being able to play in a bowl game. <laughs> They were fired up and they were sticking it to the NCAA. There was a lot of fantastic signs out there. This was a superb game, though, and I'm a big App State fan, and it wasn't your typical App State game. They threw the ball all over JMU in this one. This was a, a proper dogfight. This was a, a fun game. Both teams under 70 yards rushing in this game. Yeah, ridiculous. I think App State lead, lead rusher had like 21 yards or something. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was absolutely insane uh i wish i could have watched that game live but i don't have espn plus and i was also going on the same time that the Oregon game was going on um moving over to the american now tulane handles business against Florida atlantic 24 to 8 ucf they fall to utsa 49 21 frank harris has his swan song as a roadrunner on senior day absolutely incredible performance by him and then smu beat memphis 38 34 and I mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, Tulane, UTSA, SMU are all tied for first in the American Conference. Tulane and UTSA are going to play each other this coming week. That's going to decide who goes to the American Championship game, and that's going to be fun. Jumping now to the Mountain West, UNLV comes back on Air Force 31-27. It looks like UNLV has punched their ticket to the Mountain West Championship game, and... Barry Odom should be considered uh, for Coach of the Year because the turnaround job that he did at UNLV is absolutely sensational. The Rain Rebels are a fun team. They're, no, nobody's expecting them to get this far, and it's just an awesome story. And then also a kind of shocking result out of the Mountain West. New Mexico defeats Fresno State 25-17. Fresno State is just about out of contention now for the Mountain West Championship, so it looks like it's going to be a rematch of UNLV and Air Force. Shout out uh, UNLV. They played a good game and and I've been enjoying watching this UNLV, te- UNLV team at times. It's been a really, really rough few weeks for Air Force, though. There was a point where we were we had them as high as 15. Back in September, they lose an F-22. They then lose to Army. They then lose to Hawaii. They then lose to UNLV. Yeah, it's been a tough, uh, tough time uh, for, for Air Force. And also, you know, tough for Fresno State. There was a point where Fresno State got up to the top 20, and they've lost, you know, back-to-back times now. They lost to Wyoming as well. We thought that it was going to be a Fresno-UNLV game to the side of the Mountain West. Nope, it's not at all. Mikey Keene has not looked as good. But, you know, it's a good year for Fresno State. They can still get to nine wins in 10 with a bowl. And that's going to take us to our final, final game. It's Iowa. Josh, <laughs> they can't keep it away with it, but they do. Iowa beat Illinois 15-13. to And at one point, this game was 3-2. to This game was 3-2. to What more can you say? Just insane how they keep winning. 
I, I just can't understand how they haven't been bitten yet. They just... It's not like they just keep winning one-score games. They keep winning one-score games that are like <laughs> like 12-10, 13-15. It's just absolutely insane. And I think the line this week is is insanely low again. Right? I think the line this week is like 26.5. Yeah, and 26.5 would be the lowest of all time. By far, right? What was the last one? 28.5? It's a full like two underneath. 27, 27 was the previous. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Um, and if this Nebraska team's anything to go by, it's almost 100% going to be the under. <laughs> I'd say this is about I, 19 and a half. I think Iowa unders this year are like 10 for 11, 9 for 11. Like, it, it's just absolutely insane. Hey, we, we made the joke, but Ference is going to give us one thing every week and it's a winning bet. <laughs> I'm going to be sad to see him really, go next week, next year. Can... There's no way 26 under hits. There was no way 27 hit. <laughs> <laughs> they all said the same thing about 28. There's no way this hits. Oh, my God. Yeah, shout out to you, Iowa. Like, it's truly incredible how much of a meme you are. Like, <laughs> they're just absolutely consistent at being terrible, on offense at least. Yeah, consistently bad on offense and consistently finding a way to somehow win and somehow be ranked in the top 20. And can't have actually be a top 20 team because the defense is actually quite good and they're going to go to the big 10 championship and have to play either michigan or ohio state and they're going to need to score more than 12 <laughs> or you know that defense might hold them who knows like this is it's a top 10 defense in the country they also have the best punter in the country if, I, if I iowa somehow beat michigan or ohio state and it's like 12 10 i'm going to be so sad <laughs> At that point, you'd have to retain Ferentz. <laughs> you have to, right? You have to. You sign him to like a three-year deal. Yeah. <laughs> At least Iowa did score a touchdown in this one. And it's a passing touchdown. So good for Deacon Hill, the quarterback. Yeah, shout out. Tough. Shout out. God, Iowa. <laughs> Incredible. Um, that's just about do it for the review show. Going to try to record the preview show tomorrow, hopefully with the video, if I can get my technology to work. <laughs> Uh, and that will hopefully be out late Wednesday, early Thursday, because um, there are games to be played on Thursday, and there's going to be ge- a lot of games on Friday, a lot of important matchups, a lot of playoff implications, like I've been saying, championship game implications. It's going to be the best week of the season. Yeah, some fantastic matchups that I can't wait to get into, and, and, and I've been waiting for all season. When we did some of the preview shows, you know, we shouted out some of the games we were looking forward to, and a good good number of them were coming from this final week of the season so it's going to be going to be a real fun uh, real fun close to the regular season absolutely um but yeah that's going to do it everyone get home safely if you're traveling for thanksgiving i know wednesday is the busiest travel day of the year for us americans as we all fly home or spend time with our loved ones so that'll be fun just travel safely enjoy enjoy the show while you're traveling and we'll talk to you later this week Yeah, take care.